common sense is dangerous, not all CGI is bad, and believe it or not, it is possible for a movie producer to be a good person. I know, I was shocked too. All of that and more will be explained by YouTuber Michael Tucker today on Follow Friday. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. So let's have a swallow. Well, that's enough for plates. So and now, right away, with no further delay, it's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to internet creators about who they follow. These creators have great taste, and they will be our guides to the best people on the internet who we should be following, too. Today on the show is Michael Tucker, the creator of the YouTube channel Lessons from the Screenplay and co-host of its companion podcast Beyond the Screenplay. If you're not familiar with Lessons from the Screenplay... These are short, smart video essays that explain how and why a movie script is so good at telling the story. Here is a clip from the introduction of the Lessons from the Screenplay video about Pixar's soul. Two fundamental elements of character design are want and need. What the character wants usually drives the story forward, but it's often through the character's need that a story expresses its theme and creates an emotional impact. In Pixar's soul, these aspects of story structure are right on the surface because the protagonist is so preoccupied with pursuing a goal that he ignores the joy to be found along the way. So today I want to explore how the film creates the arc of the protagonist, Joe, to examine how it makes the audience deeply empathize with his want while subtly signaling what he actually needs, and to reveal how Joe's finally understanding his need creates one of the most emotional scenes in the film. You can find Lessons from the Screenplay on YouTube and beyond the screenplay wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow along with us today. Every person Michael recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. Michael, welcome to Follow Friday. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So you and the team at Lessons from the Screenplay, you have a really high bar for what you talk about on the channel, right? The movies that you pick to talk about, the topics you choose. Sometimes you are filtering screenplay fundamentals through a great movie like Soul. Other times you're taking a movie uh, and you're, you're drilling into it, trying to find something really interesting that's buried inside of it. What was the hardest one of these videos to take from, from start to finish? Oh, that's a that's a great question. I feel like if you were to ask me during the writing phase of any one of these videos, my <laughs> answer would be whichever one I was working on. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think because you know, like you mentioned, we try to be very uh, create yeah a high bar of quality and want to make sure the lessons that we're teaching are accurate and communicated clearly. That there is a pretty rigorous testing process almost that we do when we're in the writing phase. Um, so yeah, every video is difficult. Uh, I think because I've been uh, reflecting on this one recently, I'm thinking about our video that we made on Iron Man versus Captain America. And I loved that video. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There are character arcs across the entire MCU. Yeah. One of the writers, Brian Bittner, pitched it and we were like, oh, that's such a great idea. And then immediately realized, oh, that means we need to understand 21 movies worth of storytelling. <laughs> oh, no. What have we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that one was challenging just because of how the scope of the video, basically. Right. 
<laughs> All right, well, let's find out who Michael Tucker follows. It's Final Friday. Michael, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, Someone Who Makes You Think, and you said Malcolm Gladwell, the author of books like Outliers and The Tipping Point. He's on Twitter, at Gladwell. And in your email to me, you specifically cited his podcast, Revisionist History, as what makes you think. I have heard amazing things about this show. I haven't listened to it yet. I have too many podcast subscriptions, so please... (laughs) enlighten me why do you love it and and how does it make you think so what i love about his podcast and many of his books is that there kind of is this running theme almost at least that i receive from it which is don't trust common sense in some ways it's like every you know a lot of his books and his whole kind of podcast is about let's take a look at some event or something that we think we have a good understanding of and really pick it apart and dive in and you know there are people that criticize some of his conclusions and and all that stuff but i think overall what it's always trying to do is getting you to think twice like to second guess your assumptions and i really appreciate that just as someone that tries to be very self-aware. And I think that is a skill that is useful when creating analytical videos about storytelling and trying to look at yourself as a creator and what are the things that, you know, how do you improve yourself, you know, that requires a lot of introspection and stepping outside of what your assumptions might be. So if you, you write a scene and you think it's great, if you never stop to second guess yourself you might not see there are other angles or other ways to tell the story and and get feedback from people and so i I think he's also just a very great storyteller like his the podcasts are just fun to listen to when i get engrossed in subjects that i never thought i would have been interested in so i appreciate him as a storyteller and i appreciate that the message of most of his stories are kind of about second guessing our assumptions and not just relying on gut reactions and the the human common sense idea. Uh, I like things that poke holes in in the idea that common sense is always correct. Yeah, because if you don't take the time to second guess your assumptions, if you don't take the time to explore other possibilities, that's how the best case scenario is. If you're a writer, you might write something really cliched. Like I was just listening to um, a a different movie podcast, Story Break, and they're talking about how like, you know how in dramatic moments in movies, the characters walk to the windows? No one ever walks to the window (laughs) to make a point in real life. You know, that's the best case scenario, right? Is you just write something kind of lazy and hackneyed. And the worst case scenario is you could potentially be, you know, taking some sort of action or creating something that's going to do harm in some way. That's going to, you know, make make things more difficult for someone else. Is there a specific example that comes to mind? Something that comes from revisionist history, either a favorite episode of yours or, or something like that, that, you know, really turned you around on something or really challenged you to think differently? Um, that's a really good question. There, there have been several. One that I, I think about pretty frequently is there was an episode that was taking a look at memory and just the way, you know, there's always kind of like a, a framing story where it's like, you know, this person went on TV and said this thing and everyone was upset at them for not accurately portraying the events. But would any of us have really portrayed it accurately? What does that even mean? And so it was this one that went into memory and we kind of all have this idea that big moments in our lives will remember down to the details. 
and it looked at 9-11 and these these researchers that track people like recently like right after 9-11 happened they talked to people interviewed them like tell us the story of where you were and what happened Mm. and they could tell you like with confidence every little detail and then they went back to those people several years later and said tell us the story again and Basically, invariably, the story had changed sometimes dramatically from the people, Hmm. but their level of confidence of, I remember exactly everything, had stayed the same. Wow. And so I found that just fascinating. And that's, you know, an example of that thing where you, as a person, you can feel very confident in your memory or, or anything, but your feeling of confidence doesn't necessarily mean accuracy that doesn't mean you have it right yeah. right yeah so it's just it's like a reminder to kind of yeah second guess yourself and check check things to make sure you're conveying what you actually want to be conveying yeah so have you been listening to the show from the start like i think it's about five seasons in at this point have you listened to all of it uh yeah i have listened to all of it i think i came in around the second season um mm-hmm. but yeah otherwise it's, it's been the one that i look forward to and every time there's the announcement of the new season coming i get excited and is it, so is it since, since i haven't listened to it is there a place where you'd recommend people start new listeners start like should they start with a certain season or just pick any episode and any recommendations i would say maybe start with the second season i okay. i think the first season I found difficult to get into. And I think by the second season, they'd kind of found their rhythm. It's also just a very well-produced podcast where mm-hmm. you know he interviews people. And so they cut in the interview and there's music. And I think some of that was still a bit rough in the first season. And then it's just gotten it out. better and better since then. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Malcolm Gladwell, the host of the podcast Revisionist History, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts or at revisionisthistory.com. It's Final Friday. Let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who's an expert in a very specific niche that you love. And you said Todd Vazeri, who is on Twitter at T-V-A-Z-I-R-I. So explain what Todd is an expert in and why you love his work. So Todd is an expert in visual effects. And I don't even remember how I came upon him. I think just someone had retweeted something that he, he tweeted and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I want to like follow this person. And so I love visual effects. And that was one of the reasons that I got into film in the first place as a kid was, you know, I'd watched Star Wars and there were spaceships and things blowing up. And so I wanted to know how that was done. And so I've always been really into visual effects and the kind of technological side of filmmaking because, you know, technology is deeply entwined into what film is right and you need cameras and all this stuff and so todd has worked on a bunch of movies like he's just one of the best visual effects artists in the industry you know star treks and star wars mission possibles and just like all the big things and a lot of his content on twitter is picking out cool shots from movies whether they're recent movies or old movies and highlighting this is how this technique was done. Or huh. in in this shot, you may think this part is live action, but it's actually CG. And the way that they marry these two techniques is so brilliant. And so he, he's kind of become almost like an advocate for CGI, which I appreciate because there's it's kind of this blanket stigma that like CGI mm-hmm. is bad. And in reality, it's just that bad CGI is bad or rushed CGI is bad. But it's like makeup. Just because you notice it when it's done badly doesn't mean it's all bad. Right. Yeah. And so I, I feel like he is he does a good job of uh, making it fun to point out and reveal like 
All these things are visual effects. Isn't it great what they can do when used properly and like folded into the the storytelling process? So it's just it's a really fun uh, Twitter account for me to to see all that highlighted. And, and so does that include this is like blockbusters like the ones you listed that he worked on, or this is all sorts of history of film? Like wh- what is he pulling from? Yeah, he goes all through the history of film, which I think is what's partially so fun. Is like he really appreciates you know, all the visual effects techniques that have been around since the beginning of film. So, you know, he'll talk about, he also recently did a video on Wired where they interviewed him and had him answer Twitter questions about how did this happen and this technique and stuff. And he went all the way back to, you know, the 1930s uh, King Kong movie and how those visual effects were done and how they used to use map paintings and all these different techniques. So it's, he's kind of just this library of film trick knowledge and he just he is really good at explaining and revealing those tricks in a fun way that deepens your appreciation for all the craft that goes into creating a film one thing that will always be coming up against and battling is the human being's ability to recognize human beings our uh, emotional essence of how our eyes work how our brains work how we relate to one another is built upon this vast memory bank of understanding how real humans look, emote, and act. Doing this stuff, simulating this kind of stuff is very hard. And that's why some call it the holy grail of computer graphics or visual effects. Absolutely. No, I was looking at his YouTube channel where I think he posts a lot of the same stuff he posts on Twitter. But he had this video uh, about Bullet, the Steve McQueen movie from the 60s, mm-hmm. where there's the famous car chase scene in San Francisco. You haven't seen it? Uh, I've seen Bullet. I haven't seen this video. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he had, the, had this video about the car chase scene in Bullet and how there's this one shot where a car magically disappears. And it was it was like... It looks amateurish, like if you notice it, which most people don't. He he said he had never noticed it until his most recent viewing, but it looks a little bit, little bit amateurish. But then he explains, like, this is why they did this. This is why they cut in this little, cut these fractional second of additional footage to make this shot last a little bit mm-hmm. longer. And this was the best option they had if they wanted this the impact of this car smashing into this other car to actually feel like something so I, I i love that even though you know visual effects for modern movies is his profession that he's paying attention to these little details clearly when he's watching stuff for fun that that speaks well to his his passion for the craft you know yeah yeah for sure that's really interesting i haven't seen that video i should go check that out but yeah that's as someone as a filmmaker who loves obsessing over these little things i, I anything <laughs> that helps put you in that mindset and trains you to look at you know, really pick things apart and figure out how it works. I love, and that's what his Twitter does for sure. Is that what you're doing with screenplays when you watch a movie? Are you <laughs> pausing the movie to pull out your copy of Adventures in the Screen Trade or whatever? <laughs> um, not to that degree, but yeah. there it is difficult sometimes to watch movies. Sometimes watching movies does feel like work because I have my analytical brain running all the time, and it's become a a almost like a meme in our household now where around the midpoint of the movie, I'll just tap our little Apple remote control to confirm that like the scene that's happening, is this the midpoint? I'm pretty sure it's the midpoint. Yes, it's exactly (laughs) the midpoint. Okay. And just like ever, like 
We know that that's going to be a thing. You have an intuitive sense. This must be the midpoint that's happening right now. <laughs> I also have to admire uh, back to back to Todd I, the the randomness of some of the things he posts. Again, this is from his YouTube channel, but I'm sure it's on Twitter as well. There's some videos where he's explaining visual effects or editing concepts, and there's others where he's just playing around. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one that I, that I really liked that he did. He took that viral video of the drone flying through the bowling alley. Do you remember this from? It was like a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. where some some you know really like talented amateur drone pilot made a commercial for a bowling alley, flying down the lane and it down into the mechanics and then through the bar. And he, so he just he took that video and he added the speeder bike sound effects from Star <laughs> Wars because he's worked on Star Wars movies. He is allowed to do this, you know. <laughs> That's so cool. That yeah, that that feels it feels right. Like I'm, I'm I pulled it up now and I'm watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, this does kind of feel like how it, the speeder bikes felt when flying through the, the forest and stuff. That's really fun. exactly yeah. So he clearly he he has the license to do that. Uh, hopefully Lucasfilm doesn't doesn't uh, you know <laughs> give him any hassle for that. I think I think he's earned the right. Yeah, <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> well, that was Todd Vizzeri, who is on Twitter at T Vizzeri. That's T V A Z I R I. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Michael Tucker from Lessons from the Screenplay. This episode and every episode of Follow Friday are produced by Bumblecast, which will help you achieve your podcasting goals too. Whether you're looking to build a bigger following, connect with customers or employees, or just get your story out there, podcasts should be part of your plan. And even if you have no experience with podcasting, Bumblecast can help. You'll get personalized guidance and will learn the tricks that award-winning professionals use to start and grow successful audio shows. Check it out at bumblecast.fm. That's B-U-M-B-L-E-C-A-S-T dot F-M. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Michael Tucker, I asked you to tell me about someone who inspires you. And you said Sev Ohanian, who is a movie producer and a screenwriter. You can find him on Twitter at Sev, S-E-V, Ohanian, O-H-A-N-I-A-N. So talk about Sev, what Sev does, and how that inspires you. Yeah, so so like I mentioned, Sev is a, a writer and a producer, and I happened to meet him at a film festival uh, in New York, and we talked very briefly, and then got back to LA and realized that like friends of friends there was this like connection there and then he uh, realized that I did lessons from a screenplay and he was like oh I'm such a big fan and so we got to meet and chat a couple times and you know recently he's uh, he wrote uh, co-wrote and produced uh, Searching the John really Cho, good movie yeah. and then also Run most recently uh, which came out on Hulu which was really fun and so we had him and his co-writing partner and the director he works with a lot uh, Anish Chaganti um, on our podcast and so we've gotten to talk to him a lot and I think what I, I like about him is just that he's a good person in the industry that is also mm. talented like when I first moved to LA I had some exposure to the industry and working with people and spent some time trying trying to like develop a pilot and all this stuff and was pretty disheartened by a lot of the personalities I was running into. Yeah. And which, you know, isn't surprising is, is, is a common thing. And so I had kind of purposefully distanced myself from that a little bit. And so meeting Sev and getting to know him 
and how passionate he is about the work he does, how talented he is, and also how good of a person he is just kind of made me feel like there's hope for the film industry. (laughs) He's really thoughtful. Um, He has a really fun backstory uh, where in, I think when he was 20, he released this micro-budget feature film called My Big Fat Armenian Wedding, because he's Armenian. Uh, And uh, it's funny because my partner, she's also Armenian, so she remembers Mm -hmm. when that came out because it became this big (laughs) hit, um, like amongst the Armenian community. And so he has a cool, unique background, which I think also has inspired him to care a lot about thoughtful diversity in his films. Like It's just like all the things you would hope someone would be doing in the film industry, I feel like he's doing and, and being thoughtful and the people that he's surrounded by are all cool people. So yeah, it, it just him and the people that I've gotten to meet through him have kind of made me feel like there is hope in the industry. And, and I'm just really glad to see him having success because he's the kind of person that I want to see have success in the industry. Well, we've had such a reckoning in recent years where so many people who have achieved fame and fortune in Hollywood, I'm thinking, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Scott Rudin, people like this, who are just terribly abusive, you know, really just horrible people. We are seeing that their gains have been ill-gotten, that a lot of what they their success has come on the backs of nameless people who who are not famous, who they've really hurt. And so I, I agree with you 100%. That is such an inspiring thing to know, that someone like Sev is on the rise as he mentioned, he co-wrote Searching, which was a really original movie. It's a thriller that takes place entirely on a computer screen. You did a video about this for Lessons from the Screenplay. When you met Sev, was that before or after you had already done the video? Uh, I met Sev before that. So we had talked very briefly before that, and then he had mentioned that he was working on this film, Searching. He invited uh, myself and Alex Cayeros, who's also on the podcast, also helps make the videos, is one of the team members, um, to like a early screening of Searching. And Ooh, wow. I was worried because the idea of, you know, it's a murder mystery told entirely on screens could be very gimmicky. That's exactly what I was worried about. I was like, mm, is this going to work? Because there had already been like a horror movie that came out that was like that. And I was like... Yeah, it was it was fine, you know, but uh, but I get this 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 one really worked a lot better for me. I thought right, yeah, they they did all the things that you need to do to satisfy that, but also told a really cool story, and so that's why it was yeah. really fun to have him on the podcast, have him and the director talk about their process and how they just wrote a a good murder mystery first and then kind of adapted it to this format. And I thought that was just really cool. And they talked in our podcast about how they had to kind of change just like the final draft format, like how you write a screenplay and how you write text messages into a screenplay. Like there isn't an actual format for that. And so they also got to be experimental with even the form that the writing took, which I thought was cool. And Final Draft is the software that a lot of professional screenwriters use to to make their, their screenplays. And so it's designed for this like person A says this, person B says this. And it's just like assuming that they will both be in person together on the camera or maybe on the phone but right. because of searching i guess it, everything's coming through in so many different media that they had to find a way to distinguish it right which i thought was really interesting because we spend so much of our lives now on screens and through text messages and so that's always a question is how do you portray those things on screen and it was cool to hear how they portrayed it in script form because they were very clever about all the ways even just the way they use text messaging you know when you start to type to someone it sends the little you know like notifies you that so-and-so is typing so you're waiting for a response and they manage to use that mechanic and you see the the character write a text but then delete it and write a different one and it like yeah. creates subtext so that was talented 
telling good stories and also a good person and all these things. And it's just, it's a, he's an inspiring person for me, for sure. Wonderful pick. Well, that was Sev Ohanian, who is on Twitter at Sev Ohanian. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Michael, I asked you to tell me someone you don't know, but want to be your friend. And you said Tom Scott, who is on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tom Scott Go. I am obsessed with Tom's videos, so I already love this pick. But explain for people who don't know, explain what he does and why you want him to be your friend. So yes, Tom Scott does a, a lot of things, but his his main thing is this YouTube channel. And it's it's kind of hard to describe because he, he makes these videos that kind of fall into a couple different categories. There's sort of like trivia categories that are like a kind of location-based. He does a lot of computer science videos and linguistic videos. I'm mostly just super impressed by how he takes a topic and makes such a concise, clear, fun video out of it. It's just like, it's the purified version of what I want when I go to YouTube. It's like, I want to get a little hit of education and I want it to be fun and to come out the other side feeling like I've learned something. And I'm just endlessly impressed with his ability to do that. Um, So yeah, and I kind of came, I think I really only discovered him a year ago, maybe, because uh, he's been making videos for a very long time. But one popped up in my feed, and I was like, oh, this is great. I want to watch another. And then I watched another. And then I watched <laughs> all of his videos. And then it was like, well, now what do I do? I guess I'll watch them all again. So just as, as a creator, he, again, seems like a really great person and a really smart person. And I very much admire how he can convey these interesting and maybe uh, seemingly inaccessible topics in a really accessible, fun way. Yeah, and, and a lot of his videos are just him talking to the camera like a vlogger would, but he's like out in the English countryside and sometimes like something will blow up in the background because <laughs> he's explaining how explosions and movies work. You know, right. it's, it's just one of these things where it seems like it it's deceptively... Is it the term deceptively simple or deceptively hard? He makes it look easy is the point. Right. And it's, 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 yeah, it's very impressive just as someone who has been in front of the microphone, been in front of the camera before, how, how simple he makes it look. Right. One of my favorite videos of his is about the classic holiday song, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. <laughs> so, so Michael, I want your honest response to this. What line comes after Jingle Bells, Batman Smells? Robin laid an egg? Thank you. That's the correct answer. But right. yeah, according to Tom and a lot of other people online, no, it's Robin flew away. So that's insane. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. But it's this great video where he's talking about how he surveyed more than 60,000 people about that line. And he's trying to figure out whether or not the Simpsons influenced a cultural schism. If the Simpsons using the line Robin laid an egg influenced people to prefer that line over Robin flew away. I don't know. It's 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 extremely nerdy, extremely weird, and I, I love it so much. Great. <laughs> I don't know how I I have not seen that one. I don't know how I missed that one. Oh, it's right there. All right. I need to. That was yeah. the first one of his I ever saw, and then YouTube uh, realized that that I was into it and has been giving me a steady drip feed of his videos ever since. Nice. <laughs> Are you friends with other YouTubers like Tom? Like, do you, I guess in pre-COVID times, do you hang out with other people who are making stuff for big YouTube channels like Lessons from the Screenplay? Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to hang out with people a lot, um, but yeah. there, I am uh, kind of part of a, a Slack channel and kind of this collective of a, of a bunch of really great educational YouTubers. Um, and so a lot of the other film video essayists I've gotten to know, like Patrick Willems and Sage from Just Right, uh, Nando V Movies, and Z Ellis are people that I've gotten to chat with. All my faves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then at, at VidCon 2019, we kind of all got to, to hang out in person, which was fun. We were looking forward to that happening last year. Obviously, VidCon didn't happen last year. Um, but it, it has been cool. That That's something that's sort of changed since when I started YouTube is when I first came in, it felt like I was just completely in isolation. But now there's been a lot more communication and places where other YouTubers can interact with each other. And I think that's been really great because making YouTube videos is a weird job and there aren't a whole lot of people that do it. And it's it's kind of unlike, you know, in the film industry, you're in LA and so you're surrounded by people that do the same thing. But mm-hmm. as a YouTuber, you can be living anywhere and be creating YouTube videos, but that might also mean that you're in isolation. You don't have a whole lot of people to talk to. So it's been cool to have more outlets like that. And I was at a educational party at the 2019 VidCon where Tom Scott was there, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But I, I, I watched in admiration across the room. I was like, that's Tom Scott. <laughs> I mean, when you when you are talking with people either on Slack or at VidCons in the past, um, other when you're talking to other YouTubers, are you... Like, I guess I'm thinking of the stereotype where I am in San Francisco is that everyone is always talking about tech. And in L.A., the stereotype is everyone's always talking about some movie deal, right? Are you talking about YouTube, like the YouTube algorithm or DMCA takedowns? Or are you are you just kind of, you know, enjoying their company just as, as regular folks? There's definitely a lot of that shop talk for sure of, you know, sharing like the latest copyright, you know, complaint yeah. <laughs> or thing that we got. And and it's cool because it, it also it's part of um, Standard is this company that represents uh, a lot of these YouTubers. And also uh, through that, we've created this streaming platform called Nebula, which is where all of us can create and experiment with content. And so all the Nebula creators are all in these this Slack channel that has all these sub channels. And so some of them are places where we can just hang out and talk about like, I saw this cool video, isn't this fun? And then some channels are dedicated to YouTube shot talk and the algorithm and my views are down. Do you know what happened with this person or how mm-hmm. do you deal? So it, it is cool because it's a very supportive environment. And again, that's something that can be hard to find when you're a YouTuber because you're just in isolation, you know, in your room making videos by yourself. So if you were friends with Tom Scott, uh, what would you want to do together? What would you want to get out of the friendship? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I feel like I would, I kind of just want to nerd out with him. Yeah. (laughs) Like just, you know, he, he's made videos about like why video compression is so bad in dark areas of videos. And I mm-hmm. like, there's only like a handful of people I can think of in the world that care about that kind of thing. And so <laughs> I would just want to be like, yeah, it's the worst. And like, how do you, I don't know. So I feel like I just want to like hang out and nerd out with him about all these random little nerdy things that he has this expertise in that I actually care about also. Um, but I'd probably be too nervous to, to do any of that. I want to hear him talk about all that and I'll just Yeah, you just want to kind of like hang out and just be like, wow. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, he, fingers crossed for the next VidCon, <laughs> the next chance you get to, to not do more than just admire from across the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was Tom Scott, who's on YouTube at youtube.com slash Tom Scott Go. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? 
Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Michael Tucker LA. Um, and then on YouTube, you can find me on Lessons from the Screenplay. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ and this show on Twitter or Instagram at FollowFridayPod. The most important thing you can do to support this show is to tell someone else about it. And one way to do that is to go to lovethepodcast.com slash followfriday and leave us a review. And of course, please follow or subscribe to this show in your favorite podcast app to get more Follow Friday every week. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. Additional music by Catherine Cheng and Purple Planet Music. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. Bye.